If I haven't met you, my name is Pastor Cole. I would love to meet you. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, uh, yes, the guy who is up here, right here, he is related to me. That's my baby brother. So he, uh, he's here from Florida. And just so grateful for, for him and being willing to, to step in. Uh, he leads um, worship at a church down in Florida. And so he, they're here for a couple weeks. And so he graciously accepted my invite to be able to uh, lead worship here this morning and so and they did a great job don't you think let's give it up for them yeah so super grateful for um, him and actually a lot of my family is is here today so um, somebody asked do I have a family reunion no but they just decided to kind of come on one week so kind of a family reunion so this kind of group right here um, they're from Arkansas, and so um, some of them are from Arkansas, some from around here, but um, yeah, so th- they're here, and uh, it's exciting to be able to, to share with my family, and I'm excited because um, we're going into a new series, and so for the next three weeks, we are uh, we're going to kind of go through this series that's going to punctuate our summer, so we've been kind of in the Psalms this summer, and then the, these last three weeks, we're going to uh, finish with a, a series. And if you've been on vacation or if you just have, if you're new, if you haven't been around this summer, Pastor Aaron um, has, has been on sabbatical. So he has been on sabbatical since uh, the end of May, and he will be back on August 2nd. So um, on, I'm not sure if it's on August 2nd or August 3rd, so we'll be, be safe by saying he's back on August 3rd. So if you guys will do me a favor and just call him. Everybody call him on August 3rd, please. Um, I just, I want him to just fully feel the love, you know, of like, of coming back into ministry. Um, make sure you leave, leave lots of voicemails so that his inbox fills up and that nobody else can. No, I'm just kidding. He, he uh, hopefully he is doing well. I've, I've texted with him called him occasionally, but um, I know he's, he's um, been, they've been out west, they've been traveling, they've been doing different things, but um, we've been continuing to pray that he would uh, have just a restful time, and we're, we're blessed to have leadership here at this church that really supports that, and they want us to, they, they not only support our ministry as pastors, but they want us to remain healthy, and they want us to not get burnt out, and so I'm, I'm grateful that our leadership saw the, the value and the importance of sending him kind of away and just saying, hey, for this summer, don't do any ministry. Just be a dad, be a husband, and be a child of God. <laughs> and, um, and just know that. And so um, we've done that for him uh, for 10 weeks this summer. And uh, again, I'm, I'm grateful. We have had a, a great uh, staff. And during that time, we've had the privilege of of hearing from a lot of great speakers, and um, Pastor Jerry's sitting right there. He's, he's filled in a couple times and done a really great job for us, um, and we've been led by some great musicians, and uh, I'm personally just so thankful for each person that's helped on stage and behind the scenes, and we, we have a great staff here at church and a great volunteer base that has not let us a, miss a beat of ministry this summer. Um, but for this, these next three weeks, you're stuck with me, um, and I'm going to be doing a new series, and it's called, Who Will You Serve? And I landed on this question because I really felt like God was impressing upon me the value of, 
of just serving others. And so serving is one thing, but serving others is another. And I think the question is an important one. It's a question that we should all ask ourselves daily, if we're honest. Who will you serve? Because we all serve something, right? We all do. And we can say we serve others, but for the most, most of the time, and for the most part, at least for me, I serve myself. And I think you would probably agree as well, is that we can be really selfish at times. We can be so selfish. And we all have this bent towards sin. And this war between the spirit and the flesh. We even talked about it a while back in our series on Romans. Remember it says, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad that I don't want to do, I keep doing. Right? So we always are entangled in this war, this this war between the spirit and the flesh and serving ourselves and our own desires and getting that self-gratification, but then truly dying to ourselves is the, the other side of that, the spirit, right? If we start peeling back the, the onion on those things, those sin issues that we have, I'll say that about 99% of the time, it's driven by this desire to serve ourselves. It's driven by this selfish desire of what can I get, what can I receive from this, right? And that's the underlying cause of our sin. I mean, think about it. So Adam and Eve, right, they believed the lie that they could be like God, right? And so they wanted to be like God because who doesn't want to be like God? If somebody said, hey, you could be like God, that's pretty tempting, right? We've seen that, like, how many of you guys watched that movie, Bruce Almighty? It's an old, old movie, but, um, wow, I'm like dating myself here, saying it's like an old, wow, I never thought I would say that, it's an old movie. It wasn't black and white, okay, it was at least in color. So, uh, but we saw that from that movie, right, Bruce Almighty, where he got the powers of being God, and he could snap his fingers and do whatever he wanted to do, and I think probably, I'm probably right, like 99% of that movie was him doing things for himself, right? It's just like, and that's, honestly, if you had the power of God, like, what would you do? And you could, you could say all the things of like, oh, I would save all the starving children, I would do all the things, but when it comes down to it, you make sure yourself's taken care of first, right? I have this big mansion, I have all these things, and we make sure ourselves taken care of first, but you think about that. So go back to Adam and Eve. They wanted to serve themselves. Cain and Abel. Cain killed his own brother because he got jealous and wanted God's approval for himself. Right? He wasn't happy that his own brother got God's approval because he wanted that for himself. He was selfish enough to, to kill his own brother. And then King David. We see... He wanted someone else's wife for himself. That selfish desire, I want that for myself. And then he had that person's husband murdered for self-preservation. So that he wouldn't, you know, that, that he wouldn't get in trouble himself. And so it was this, self, this act of self-preservation, looking out for himself. And I could go on and on. You know, the Bible is full of all of these accounts of sin where we can point back to the underlying factor, the underlying cause, 
has been to serve ourself. Almost every single time we see that. And our current culture doesn't help with that. This instant gratification, it says we want it and we want it what? Now, right? We want it and we want it now. And it's, it's only gotten worse to where we can have things at the, at the click. I can order anything from my phone. I mean, it's going to cost me money, but I can order anything from my phone, and it'll be here in one to two business days. Um, <laughs> or I can go to the store and get it right away. And sometimes that's what we do, right? Because we, we that, honestly, that's, that, how many of you have thought like, oh, I need this now, or I want this so bad that I'm not even going to order on Amazon because that takes too long. I can't even wait one to two business days. I'm going to go out and get it at the store now. How many of you have? Is it just me? You guys are, you guys are liars. It is not just me. I don't see any hands out there. So you guys are very patient people. You're like, I can wait the one to two business days. Wow. We're, we're supposed to be honest with each other this morning, all right? So the we's and the I's have become so common that we don't even notice that we're doing it anymore. We really don't. Right? We talk, I, I want this. I want that. Or I, I, or we, we. And the alarming thing is that this could not be more countercultural to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is flipped totally upside down from that. And I want to look at a story in Scripture that, that really points that out. And it gives us a direction to go. Um, that, that's what I look for in Scripture. I don't know, when you guys read Scripture, there's a couple ways that I connect with, with God really well. One of them is music. If you, um, you're probably surprised at that. Um, music is a way that I really connect with, with God. Um, and then another way is, is reading Scripture. But not just reading it to just consume it. But I want to know, I'm a, I'm a, a figure-outer. Like we, uh, I know a lot of you guys know Val Cuthbert, that um, her, uh, her grandson, uh, Gunner, how many of you guys know him? He, so he, we always joke that he will take things apart and then put them back together, and he always wants to know how things work. And that's, that's how my mind is. And when I was growing up, I would take the VCR apart and figure out how it worked, and so I want answers. I want to know why and the way things work. And so when I read scripture, that's what I look for. I look for practical steps. I look for answers to my questions. Okay, I'm selfish. I know it. You know it. We all know it. But what do I do about it, right? What do I go from, from here? And what does Jesus say about it? So we're going to look. It's, it, the passage that I'm going to start with today, uh, it starts with Jesus it's, Jesus' disciples are all there, but really it focuses on two of them. And it's two of his disciples asking him a question. Uh, I'm going to start in Mark chapter 10. And I'm going to start in verse 35. So if you guys want to turn there on your phones, it's also going to be up on the screen as well. Um, so Mark chapter 10, verse 35. I don't know if you can see that. I shouldn't have used red, should I have? Oh, thank you. Um, that's a little bit better. So I'll read it anyways. Um, it says in verse 35, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, 
We want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the other ten disciples heard what James and John asked, they were indignant. I had to look that up. Indignant. What does indignant mean? Does anybody know? They were mad? Yeah, they were mad. They were just a little peeved that they were like asking this. They were like, what? Why are you asking? You have... Yeah, they were just like, what? Um, So Jesus called them together. So he's like, all right, time for a roundup. I'm going to talk to all of you about this. He says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So right off the bat, we see that James and John were only thinking about themselves. Well, they, they use that word again that I talked about, right? We. We want you to do us a favor. They're saying, we want you to do us a favor. And the funny thing is, they try to cover up their selfishness by talking about heaven and the kingdom of God. Have you ever done that or experienced people who have? I have. I've, I've tried to manipulate situations so it looks like I'm doing something good for the church, but in reality... It's been for me. And it makes us feel better about ourselves. It's made me feel better about myself. We give enough money, we serve just enough so that we look good, but in reality, it just makes us feel better about ourselves. But what does Jesus do here? Honestly, Jesus didn't even mention them being selfish. He just scraped right over that and he says... He went straight to talking about how they didn't know what they were asking. In order to have a seat next to Jesus, they couldn't be doing it for themselves. He said, the the currency works different in my kingdom. It's suffering. It's sacrifice. It's pain. What's interesting is, you know, as I dug further deep into this passage you know, Jesus says earlier, he says, you will, you know, drink from my bitter cup. You will suffer. And eventually, you know, I, I feel like they understood that because they were martyred and crucified. Not, not in the same way that Jesus was, but these two disciples had some of the most gruesome deaths later. Um, but he talks about suffering. 
He talks about the sacrifice and the pain that it takes to be a servant. And he made it known that it wasn't about elevating himself or themselves. It was about elevating others. Jesus talks about the suffering that he's about to endure and the cost of what it looks like to be a servant to others before thinking of ourselves. And they were going to have to get their hands dirty. So I, I love this song that my brother introduced. He, uh, I had heard this song before, um, but my brother told me that he was you know, thinking about playing it. I listened to it probably every day this week as I was preparing my message. And I just fell in love with the song more and more every time I listened to it. Um, because the words just rang so true for me. When I read this passage, I would, I would listen to the song and then I would read the passage and then I would listen to the song again and read the passage and just, you know, go back and forth and just to be in the mindset of what Jesus was truly talking about here. And I want to read the first couple lines of, of this uh, song. I know we, we, you know, he taught you the chorus and the bridge, but I really feel like that first verse is so powerful. It says... Oh, the perfect Son of God, in all His innocence, here walking in the dirt with you and me. I want to pause there. Because the reality is we have a God who isn't afraid to get dirty. He isn't afraid to get His hands dirty. Says He's here walking in the dirt with us. How many of you love going barefoot? A lot of you. All right, now we're being honest, right? <laughs> How many of you love uh, walking barefoot more than wearing shoes? A lot of you probably, right? You, I, I, feel, uh, I feel more comfortable. And I'm, I, I should say, I'm thankful that my Arkansas family put shoes on this morning to come. So they're from the south, and they're just always barefoot. Um, I told them they had to, to wear shoes to church, though. They're just... <laughs> I always talk about their accent too. So if you talk, if you talk to them, then uh, then they they make fun of my accent right back. But um, so I, I love walking barefoot, right? And uh, I found out yesterday morning um, that it's hazardous walking barefoot. And so when when it says when it says uh, that Jesus was walking in the dirt, the son, the son, you know, son of man came and he's walking in the dirt with us. Don't take that lightly because it is a little bit hazardous. Um, so there were a handful of, of us that were cleaning up. I don't know if you, if you haven't, drive past it uh, on your way out, but we cleared some of the pond. There's a little bit of the pond. Um, the, it was all overgrown around it, and so we cleared some of the edge of the pond. And uh, then quickly realized how big of a task it was. And we're going to have to schedule some more work days. But, um, but I, I went out there, um, and I was wearing, uh, like, the rubber, like, flip-flops. And I know all of you are like, why would you do that? Okay, so listen. It was raining when I got up and I went there. And I knew we were going to be next to the pond. It was going to be dirty. It's like, it's easy just to you know, clean those off, like I didn't want to mess up any other shoes, so, um, you know, sandals was easy cleanup, so I wasn't completely barefoot, but right before I left, 
um, there's a picture of this. This went through the bottom of my foot. So, um, yeah. And I, just so you know, when I put this in PowerPoint, the AI, like generative text, said finger pointing at a nail. That's not a nail. It's, a, it's a, like a long thorn. But just so you know, AI thought it was a nail. So, um, Aaron's, Aaron, if Aaron, I'm glad Aaron's not here because he'd make fun of me for like, acting all macho, like, because I had this thorn through my, um, trying to look tough in front of all you guys, um, but uh, you can take the thorn picture off if you want to. <laughs> I, I say all that to say that, like, Jesus wasn't afraid to get dirty, and back then, like, you walked everywhere in either barefoot or sandals, and he would sleep in places that weren't the best of conditions, he would get his hands dirty. And he wasn't afraid of what that would do to him. He wasn't afraid of the hazards that came with serving others. The rest of that first verse says, and it goes right in that, it says, he knows what living is. He's acquainted with our grief. Man of sorrows, son of suffering. The blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who weeps, there's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Hallelujah to the son of suffering. More than once that song brought me to tears just, to, just realizing not only just that Jesus was a servant, but that he suffered on our behalf. And he knew what he was doing. He willingly did it. Perhaps the greatest shock ever throughout history is this. It's the reality that the God of the universe, the one who created everything just by speaking it, the ruler of this world and the next, would serve the lowest people in society, would walk on the filthiest roads, and would sleep in the most uncomfortable places. Because that's who he was. He was a servant first. He tells us why he did this. To serve everyone else. And to give his life as a ransom. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you have a good relationship with Christ right now. Or if it's kind of distant. Or if you even have a relationship with Jesus. But I want you to know that he's not some distant God. He's acquainted with every single area of grief in our life, every single area of suffering in our life. And he's intimately connected to it. Because what we read before as our call to worship, that he humbled himself. That he had equality with God, but he didn't think of it as something to be grasped. Which means what? If you're not grasping something, what are you doing? You're letting it go, right? Giving that up so that he could take on the humility of a servant. C.S. Lewis has this really good quote that says, True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. 
That's so good, right? What would the world look like if we all thought of ourselves less? Not less of ourselves, but to think about ourselves less. I want us to, I want, I want to challenge us, I'm challenging myself here too, to dig deep and ask God to show us our selfishness. If you've ever asked God to show you your sin, you know that he's going to reveal it to you, right? Ask him to show your selfishness to him, to, to yourself. I feel like the more time that I spend with my kids, the more God reveals my selfishness to me. And that's, that's not a bad thing. It's honestly, it's, it's a good thing. Am I going to choose them or my phone? And the more time I spend with other people, with relationships with friends or family, the more God reveals my selfishness to me. Am I serving others or do I just spend time with people or do things that serve me in the end? That's not people-pleasing either. Because we can, we can get out of serving others and sacrificing for ourselves by calling it people-pleasing, but then we just exchange that for pleasing ourselves. I promise you that life has so much more joy when you are serving others and not yourself. When you are sacrificing for others and not just seeing what you can get. Truly being selfless. selfless. I want to ask you uh, three questions first one is, how do you spend your time? I'm going to ask each one of us that we would just self-reflect on this. How do you spend your time? Because we, we've heard it said before, right, that where your treasure is and where your time is, there your what? Heart is also, right? It's where your heart is. And so we could even sub that out and say, how do you spend your time or how do you spend your treasure? But I want to focus on how do you spend your time? And honestly, ask yourself that. Is it, is it me-focused all the time? Now, it's okay, yes, definitely to, to, to take some time for yourself. But when that turns into you being self-consumed with your happiness, with your joy, with your, what, what can I get? What can I get? This self, self-feeding, self-desire. So how do you spend your time? The second question is, what are your motives? And only God really and you know what your motives are. I'm not asking you to, to, to share that with anybody. This is between you and God. What are your motives? Are they truly pure? And if they're not, ask God to give you that, that pure heart, that pure motive. Because that can be hard. Because sometimes... Our, our heart and our, our mind, and they, they play tricks on us and say, well, I'm doing this for this or that or whatever. And ultimately, it's that deep-seated deep root of 
selfishness, selfish desire. So what are your motives? And the third one is, who will you serve? Who will you serve? Yourself? Ultimately, you should serve Christ first, right? But what does that look like? It looks like denying ourselves and serving others in a way that maybe, maybe makes us feel uncomfortable. I have a, a funny story I want to share with, with you all. Um, so as most of you know, we went to uh, California. My, most of my wife's family live out in California. We were out there for, for 10 days. Um, her aunt got married, and so... We went out there with a great time with a lot of her family, and we don't get to see them very often. Um, and so we were just spending time with, with her grandma and then her aunts and uncles that all live out there. And uh, so her aunt got married, but then uh, she also has an uncle that um, lives out there. And he loves, he's, he's the nicest guy. I have to preface this by saying he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet and would give you the shirt off of his back. And it's just so generous. So, but he loves deep sea fishing. So we went deep sea fishing. I've been with him uh, one other time. We went deep sea fishing uh, together. And there was, I think there was like eight or nine of us that were together that were deep sea fishing. So we went on this boat. And he, he is so generous. He paid for everything, uh, paid for the fish to be filleted and like for us to take home and cook. I mean, he was just so generous. Um, but I have this funny story that... Um, so we we had all we had to leave really early. We got up at like you know like two a.m. to make it to be able to get to uh, the dock and then to make sure we were got the spots that we wanted on the boat and everything. So we're all you know and her her uncle's name is Eldon and so Eldon had all of his fishing gear. He let all of us use it and everything. And so we were all on the boat and you know it takes a while to get out there. So we're you know ordering breakfast on the boat and we've you know everybody's kind of just settling in, and so then when you get out there, an hour or two out there, you know, they say, all right, you can start, you know, um, you can start fishing, and we were fishing for uh, sculpin, so sculpin, it's also known as like California scorpion fish, so what's interesting is um, there, and I have a picture of them actually, if you want to, yeah, so, so they're they're, kind of, they're really colorful and they're really cool looking, but if you can see where the spikes are on the back, so those are actually uh, poisonous. So if they get you and they sting you, then for about four or five hours, it's like a really, really bad bee sting. And you just have pain going up your arm. And so you've got to be careful. Um, and they're, they're bottom dwellers, they're rockfish, so they're bottom uh, dwellers. And so we were fishing for those, and that's what everybody was catching. Like nobody was catching anything else. And then my brother-in-law, uh, he has been here a couple times, uh, Dean, um, it's Elise's, Elise's brother, and so he caught uh, a mackerel, it was a little mackerel, and uh, we were all like, oh, that's crazy, you know, because everybody was just catching these fish only, and so it was like, oh, that's crazy. And so uh, my, Elise's aunt said, why don't you take that over to Eldon, and he'll, you know, cut it up, and we can use it as, as bait. And try to catch some different things, you know, than what we were catching. So I take it over to Eldon. And 
you've got to know who Eldon is. He's like this California dude. He talks like this, you know, and just very like, you know, very animated. And so I went up to him and I said, Eldon, I said, Dean caught a mackerel. I said, they, say me, they said you may want to, you know, cut up and use this bait. And he goes, oh, yeah. And he grabbed it and put the whole thing on his hook. Didn't cut it up at all. And he goes, I'm going to catch a big one with this and threw it in the ocean. And so he took the whole fish for himself. And so, I, so him and his son are there and they're like, oh, we're going to get a big one with this. And so I walk over to the other side of the boat and Dean said, where's my mackerel? And he, I said, well... Elton took the whole thing and put it in. He's like, what? You know, and so we're sitting there fishing. And about 10 minutes later, I walk over back over to the other side of the boat. And Elton is over there. And he's going, you know, like, and he's just really, like, you know, fighting it. And Dylan's like, we got a big one, you know. And he's, he's yelling, you know. And the, the uh, deckhand comes over. And he's like, what do you think you got, you know. And, and, I mean, he's fighting this thing. It is so, like. He's like, I've never seen, he's like a kid in a candy shop. Like, he's so excited. And for probably five minutes straight, I mean, he's just fighting this thing and just like, you know, going back and forth. And finally, he gets it up to the surface. And they're like, what'd you get? And he was on the line of the, the uh, seven-year-old kid that was standing right beside him. And they had been fighting each other for five minutes straight. <laughs> And he pulled it up, and he's like, what'd you get? And he goes, the neighbor. And he looks over, and this little kid's looking up, and he goes, sorry. <laughs> and it just, you know, again, I have to say, Eldon is one of, the, one of the most selfless people that I know. But he wanted a big fish, right? He was going to use that whole mackerel. He wasn't going to cut it up. He wanted a big fish. And so it just, I don't know, it just reminded me of just what it looks like when, you know, when we take things for ourselves, and a lot of times it's not going to be the joy that we receive, you know, who knows what would happen if he would have cut that mackerel up and everybody would have been fishing. Maybe we would have got more fish, maybe we wouldn't have, maybe we would have got different fish, but it's just funny to me that uh, a lot of times when we try to get things for ourselves, it's not what we imagined it would be when we're so consumed on trying to to get ours right and ultimately that's not the prize the prize is the joy of serving others sharing with others and and you should have seen the joy that he had whenever they were cutting those fish up and the fact that we got to take all those home and eat them I mean it you know so I think he would say that was definitely a lot more worth it um and I want to ask this, or look at this final point. So a lot of people say, and you, you might have heard this before, but a lot of people say, you know, if they only had one day left to live, what would they do? And you, you probably have a list, right? It's that bucket list, right, of the things that you would do if you only had one day left to live on this earth. Chuck, what would you do if you only had one day left on this earth? Swim with family. You're supposed to say something selfish, Chuck, like climb a mountain or go, you know, eat a steak dinner, most expensive steak, you know, play golf. All right, I know that is probably true, right? You play a little golf. You spend time with family, you'd also get a round of golf in. Um, you know, you'd eat the best meal 
go skydiving, stay in a luxury suite. That's what I would do, drive a fancy car. At least didn't let me, when we went to Hawaii a couple years ago, she didn't let me rent a Tesla. It was way too expensive, but that was like my dream. I was like, all right, I'm doing it before I die. Um, But think about this. I want to leave this with you. Jesus knew when he was going to die. He knew when his last day on earth was. Do you remember what he did? He washed feet. He washed feet. The God of the universe knew when his last day on this earth was. And he chose it serving. He chose to serve others. The people that he loved. And he washed his disciples' feet. Let's pray. God, forgive us where we're so consumed, we're so consumed with ourselves that we can't see what you have for us next. God, I just pray right now that you would just allow us to see people the way that you see them. Give us the love in our hearts for people that are sitting right next to us, for people that we're going to meet in the grocery store or at the restaurant or wherever. God, teach us to humble ourselves, to truly be a suffering servant just like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.